Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality, and I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Today on the podcast, another kick-ass woman and network executive all in one person. Don Ladogan is the Senior Vice President of Original Programming and Development at E! Entertainment. She oversees all their unscripted series and live events, and she's led some series you may have heard of, like Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Total Divas, Second Wives Club, and Revenge Body with Khloe Kardashian, just to name a few. Donla's been at the network 10 years and counting, a long time in this business. She's spent time on the other side, producing scripted and unscripted. So that makes her one of those execs that producers love working with. Welcome, Dama. This is so exciting. It is exciting. <laughs> you are, no, you're my second, I was going to say you're my first, you're my <laughs> second female network executive. Sarah Ospitz yes, was the first. Yes, she was. You're I so good. I do listen. I like it. And she was early. She was like, she hey, was. I'm doing this podcast. Can you, you're my friend. Can you come on? She is the one that put us in touch. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It all's come full circle. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy. I know. I was so happy when I heard you were a fan. Yeah, I am. That's so nice. I, am. I love that people are listening or some, especially network executives, because I always get nervous yeah. that I'm, that I'm, you know, being like so pro producer anti network, but you know we love you guys too. But I it's, mean, it, it's take, hard. It, it takes all of us to <laughs> right. do it. Exactly, you <laughs> bitch about us, we bitch about you. It all goes around, comes around. It's like we, a we symbiotic. Bitch about ourselves sometimes. Exactly, it's a very symbiotic, dysfunctional relationship that will go on forever and ever. It, it is. It really is. I, and I feel like. This industry is so sort of young in so many ways. And so there's really just one generation of us that have come up together. That's true. So I really feel like one of my favorite things about this industry is I get the sense that we all feel like we're in it together. I think that's true. You it know? does feel like we yeah. are like a war. Like we're all in combat <laughs> together. Especially now. There's a lot of headwinds now. Yes. yes. TV's, not, TV's not easy now. It is not. No, I no. want to talk about that. Yeah. So what do you mean when you say that TV is in this weird I just think it's, you know, it is a time of great change in the industry and sort of, you know, everything is is moving. Viewing patterns are shifting. I mean, we all spend so many hours in meetings all talking about this. I think we, you know, we we all know that there is great transition happening. Um, Entertainment is always going to have value, but how people get it and when they get it um, is going to change. and, And that will augment our jobs eventually. But telling stories is always going to be telling stories. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So you've been at E for 10 years. How yeah. have you seen that evolution? Like since you start, I mean, it's changed so much it in 10 years. It has changed so much. I mean, we, we laugh like 10 years ago if we were considering a show and we'd be like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's only going to get like know, 600,000 impressions. Like right. we shouldn't do it. Now, now you're praying like, for that. Oh, I'm praying. Yes. <laughs> it is crazy. Yeah. And also you're right. How people consume it, how, yes. you know, you'd never think people are watching. Kardashians on their phones or anything else. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I guess in terms of where, when you guys have your meetings now, and I know you can't disclose all the secrets, but (laughs) you know, how are you guys thinking about when you buy shows now, how you're going to, you know, like what is the threshold in terms of how you, how you buy? I mean, I think we, you know, we don't think we, we can't buy a show based on 
what platform we think people are going to watch it on. I think you have to buy it based on, like, what is the entertainment promise of this show? And is it a good show? And how does that align to <laughs> what people come to E4? Okay. Exactly. You know? And then I think we have a lot of smart people in a lot of rooms talking about how we then kind of maximize the opportunities that we have on all different platforms. So, yeah. yeah. I feel like one of the great things about E, and I, I honestly feel like there's very few networks like this, yeah. is that consistently— over the years, since I started watching when I was up all night with my one-year-old, yeah. I was thinking, when did I first start watching E? It was in 1992, and I was it was just, right. I mean, when did E start? Like, not that much before that, right? Well, let's see. I, it's been it's been over 25 years, okay. I want to say. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. it was early in, yeah. its, in its early days, mm-hmm. and and even since then, it's just always had such a strong brand. Yeah. And that, you know, it, it devi- I mean, I think you guys have taken some chances over the years where really it's always just comes, it doesn't work. Like it just has to right. come back to the brand. And I find that very rare. I feel like Bravo is another example, but yeah. very few examples where yeah. you know exactly what you are. Right. I mean, we're not tomorrow going to send out a mandate that says we're about animals. Right. <laughs> I mean, we, we have sort of like the pillars that work. But within those those walls, I think we do ebb and flow, you know, over the years in terms of kind of trying this kind of thing, trying that kind of thing. I, I think we do always sort of have to evolve as pop culture evolves. And pop culture is a very fast moving, living, breathing thing, you know, yeah. so we have to kind of stay on top of that. But it's always going to be. You know, I think the the place where where the storytelling on E really kind of feels most at home is that cross section between what is you know as we say aspirational and what is relatable, and where those two intersect is kind of I think the thing that works best for us. Like you know, I always say you may not know what it's like to live like the Kardashians, but you know what it's like to have a fight with your sister and then make up, you know? Yeah, that's so. a perfect way to describe it. Hear that, producers? <laughs> Take heed. If you want to know what fits the e-brand, that is relatable meets aspirational. I like that. So what's been the biggest surprise in your 10 years of buying shows there that, like, a show that you didn't think would work but worked and was sort of a breakout or the opposite? Hmm. A show that you were positive would work but didn't work? Hmm. Good question. Um, Putting you on the spot. You are, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think for a long time we were, we would ask ourselves, like, what is the weight loss format that might work for us? Um, and we tried to develop a number of things and nothing really quite fit the, the brand filter, um, although really great, powerful stories. And then, you know, in walked the revenge body pitch with Khloe Kardashian. And all of a sudden there was just that entry point that made sense for us that opened up a category that had, hadn't been open to us before. Um, so, you know, things when things like that happen, I think it's really cool. Yeah. And I think that's a great example, actually, because, you know, and sort of like, you know, probably what most networks try to do and it doesn't always work, which is like you took what totally works for the network, which is the Kardashians, mm-hmm. combined it with something that's very brand adjacent, which is weight loss, and smashed them into a show like that <laughs> actually makes perfect right, sense. Right. Doesn't always work. Yeah. But in that case, yeah, I like that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, props to Jen O'Connell. Lionsgate. Props to the whole team. <laughs> I know. They do a I just I don't job. know who else is on it, but I know it's her team. So I'm just going to give a shout out to Jen. I'll give um, a shout out to everybody, yeah. including Eli and Larissa and Chloe, who is so involved. So she's really into it. She's really into it. Yeah. It is very personal for her. Yeah. It comes from a very personal place, um, and she is very involved. And I, I, you know, I'm I have to say I'm very impressed with sort of the level of involvement that she brings to that show. 
How will this change with her pregnancy, Damla? <laughs> Let's get deep into Chloe's participation as Chloe's grows as a pregnant woman. Well, are we taping now? What's going on? Uh, we are not taping now. Okay, and I will say, you know, you know, in general, like when people ask me anything about any of the people on my shows, like I, I, I you're not talking to Chloe every day. I treat I treat news about people on my shows like I treat news about my friends, and if they're talking about it. I'll talk about it. If they're not, it's not my place. Okay. Dama's you know? going on the record as saying, we're not even saying Chloe's pregnant right now. So, fight left. She's going to plead the fifth. Yeah. Um, so, in terms of, you know, was there anything over the years that you thought would have worked perfectly for E but didn't? I mean, there are things. I, I don't think you ever think this is going to work perfectly and this is going to be <laughs> a smashing hit. I don't think I, I don't think in those terms. Yeah. Um, I have shows that I really wish would have worked that I loved that just for whatever reason didn't sort of catch fire in the ratings. I mean, we did a show last year about um, Cosmopolitan magazine called So Cosmo. Yes. And I loved that show. Yeah. And I thought there were some really great sort of messages like workplace takeaway and some really great stories and some really great characters and for whatever reason it just you know didn't sort of catch fire enough to do another season why do you think like looking back or what did the research tell you i'm just curious i mean there's a number of different you know, factors you can kind of throw at it you'll mm -hmm. never really know right. i think part of it you know part of it is always sort of scheduling and what's on competitively in that right in that you know on that week on that day whatever it is um you know, part of it is, do people come to E for workplace? That's a big question oh, that we have. You know, a lot of times people work a really, really long day and they come home <laughs> right. and they turn on E and they're like, I don't want to be back at the office. Right. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it's a theory. I don't know if it's true. Um, but, you know, it's a but theory. But you would that think that there. the sort of Cosmo, Devil Wears Prada, bold type mm -hmm. is more aspirational, fun, mm -hmm. like frothy. It's mm -hmm. not like... They're working, making, you know, it's not the office. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, I, I don't regret doing it yeah. at all. I mean, I, you know, I think there were some great pieces of takeaway. Like, I'll give you an example. Joanna Coles, yes. um, you know, who yeah. was the editor-in-chief of Cosmo and now is sort of in a much bigger position overall at Hearst. I mean, I remember something she said to somebody that worked for her that, for me, like, really struck a chord. For, for everyone that worked on that show was like, I'm going to do that from now on. She said, you know, as a woman, think twice before you just introduce yourself with your first name. Oh, because okay. a lot of times, you know, a man it's doesn't so do that. True. And it's not, I'm Elisa. It's I'm Elisa yeah. Rosen. You wow. Know? Mm -hmm. I, d I didn't ever heard that before. Mm -hmm. So it's just one of those things. My name's such I, a mouthful. <laughs> anyway, I just thought of you like, well, hi, I'm me. yours. Right. Okay, fine. <laughs> Enough said. But you have the double D, which is cool. Like, you've got the right. alliteration. Right. Like, right. I don't even have that. It's sympathetic. <laughs> okay, so I'm sure since you listen to the podcast, I'm sure hopefully that you heard Stephanie Drakovich's um, podcast yes. where we talked about yes. you and Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry. <laughs> I always do that. Tyler, the Hollywood medium. Yes. Um, and she really, I remember specifically, specifically really credited you for, you know, making, developing that in a way that really worked for E. And so that was, that's a great example to me of a really smart producer network executive who understands how to shape something that's sort of this kernel into something really. I mean, that was, a, a that was a, such a great experience shaping that. I mean, that is, um, you know, that's an example of a show that I, I sometimes I feel like shows are sort of destined to find their right home mm -hmm. and it may not happen at first yeah. but eventually it does that show was actually developed at another network and then right. came back right. around and we just worked together you know with 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 all the producers and with julie and i on the east side along with side with jeff old at the time and really kind of whittled away at what is it that's going to work and how much docu stuff with tyler and how much of him reading ce celebs until you know we sort of just 
reach the point where we're like, the car rides there and the readings. And that's the format yeah. that's going to work for us. And you us. know what? Sometimes yeah. I really believe simple is best yeah, a lot I of time. Too. You know? I do too. And it's so much easier to produce. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no, no comp. You don't. I call them the kitchen sink shows. You mm-hmm. like you throw in everything. It's mm-hmm. like, no, those are annoying and all over the place. Give me the simple format. Yeah. If it works and the guests are good. Yeah. And he gives you an amazing reading. That's a great show. Yeah. And I think that's a show where there's just so much love poured into it. Yeah. I mean, you know. Stephanie to, you know, Michael and Larry and our showrunner, Sarah, and everybody. I mean, they it, it is just so important to them. And you can feel it in every frame. And it's got a sense of, of, you know, real sort of love and honesty to it. I love that. Yeah. And I think you also came up on my um, evolution, Doug and, um, Doug and um, Alex, about Botched. Oh, well, that probably would have been Leela. Okay. Yes. Well, yes. All right. Fine. <laughs> but can't you take some credit for it? I will never take credit for somebody else's work. Did you expect that work. to be as big as it was and is? I mean, we knew that it was um, an area that traditionally had worked. Right. Plastic surgery had worked in right, the past. Right. Doctor Ray. Totally. With a total yeah. with with a with a twist being all revisions. Right. With a really sort of you know title that tells you exactly what it is, <laughs> right. and with talent that we knew people like to watch. So. That one sort of had a sense of if it, 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 it was a big swing, and if it was going to work, it was going to work, you know, pretty quickly. I like so, it. Yeah. All right. So let's go way back. Let's go way back. <laughs> First yes. of all, where are you from? Where? Where? I don't really know anything about you personally. Yeah. So I was born in Turkey. Wow. Yes. Um, but we moved to Colorado when I was like four and a half. Okay. So do you remember the Turkey years? Not really. Okay. A few little bits here and there. Okay. Not really. Um, and but, why did you guys move to the states? So my father's Turkish, but my mother's American. Okay. And she grew up in Colorado. That's oh. where her family was, is from. Um, so we moved there. My my dad got a job in Colorado at an, uh, an oil firm. And we moved there. And I grew up there. Um, always sort of knew that I wanted to do something in entertainment behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Didn't know exactly what. Didn't really know what an executive was at first, <laughs> you know. Um, and then... I've done sort of a lot of odd jobs in my life <laughs> getting here, but I've been working essentially since I was 14. Um, nice. And, you know, kind of had a part-time job in high school, had a couple of part-time jobs in college, um, all with the goal of, at least in college, trying to do something that I knew would give me a, a piece of experience that could parlay into something in entertainment. You know, for a while, I thought maybe I wanted to be an entertainment attorney. So I worked at a law firm just as like a, a lowly assistant at a law firm while I was had a full class load. Wow. And um, it was a personal injury law firm. And oh, what, what? <laughs> yeah. you, you missed the headline there. You thought you were like, getting into entertainment. Totally. Your ambulance chasing. But, you know, I was like, law is law. Right. And if I get this experience, maybe, you know. And um, one of the things they would have me do is deliver subpoenas. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Really? As an intern? It just sort yeah, sort of. Yeah, I don't even, it wasn't through an internship program. I was just a part, just yeah, there. I okay. just was like a part-time Got it. employee. And um, So did you have to say you've been served? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember I would have been shaking. Well, I I felt a little like I was in the right, whether I was or wasn't, because we, you know, that firm represented, um, uh, you know, people who really needed to sue to pay their medical right, bills. Right, you're on the right side. I, I I'd like to think so. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I can remember one time I, I had to go into a used car dealership, 
and deliver a subpoena to one of the one of the people who worked there. And it was, you know, it was like a scene from a movie. Like I walked in the place and like, oh, John's in the back in the break room. I had to like walk into the break room and they're like, hey, you're having no idea who I was. Are you here to see John? And I'm like, oh yeah, God. I'm here to see John. <laughs> not going to like it. Yeah. And then, you know, he came out and he looked at me and he's like, who are you? I'm like, I'm sorry to tell you, you've been served. <laughs> and then do you just walk away? Do they start screaming? Did that ever no, happen? No, that never happened. I mean... I, I don't know if he was expecting it or not. He probably was not expecting it from me if he was expecting it. Um, but it was one of those things where, you know, all the other people in the break room were like, oh, <laughs> you've been served. <laughs> you've been served. Wow. So done that um, when I was in, in the University of Colorado in Boulder, I wanted some experience um, in the film school. And so I signed up as a volunteer just for one of the thesis films that was being shot. Yeah. And so I worked as assistant wardrobe on one of the thesis films, which actually turned out to be the thesis film that um, Matt Stone and Trey Parker were doing. Really? <laughs> I didn't know who they were at the they time. They went there? They went there, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, they were seniors at that point. What and, a great and that story. And that ended up being, at the time, it was called Alfred Packard the Musical, but later it was retitled Cannibal. And it, it, you can probably find it now. I mean, I know you can find it now. Did you identify their talent? Like, did you see that they were crazy talented? Yes. I mean, anybody who'd ever worked with them could see that. Right. Even in college. Even in college. Just insanely talented. I mean, just truly special. Yeah. That's so cool. So what did you do after college? So after college, I came out within a couple of months, came out to California and thought, I want to work in entertainment. Don't yet know if I want to sort of go the, the law path, go the producing path. And, um... So I thought maybe I'll take a year off before I start applying to law schools and just sort of see what's out there. And then at the time, a friend of mine from high school who was a year ahead of me um, named Joe Weisman was was working for a producer, but he really wanted to be a writer. And he got a he got Is a he job. the Americans guy. Wasn't there isn't Joe Weisman the one who created the Americans? I don't think maybe so. it's a different Joe. I think it's a, <laughs> okay. I think it's a different one. I'll have to go. You would know. Yeah. You would know. I would hope I would know. Yeah. Um, that's anyway, a big deal. So <laughs> he um, needed to replace himself on this producer's desk. And um, he said, you know, do you do you want this job? And I was like, yes, for sure. I'll be there in an hour. So I kind of slipped into a job just working for a producer. Who a film did, producer. No. He was a TV producer. Okay. He did um, different things. So some award shows, some specials, some comedy specials. And then one of the things that he ended up getting off the ground was a scripted series for American Movie Classics Channel, AMC, way back in the day, yeah. um, called The Lot, which was a, that, it was set in the 1920s. And, you know, your main characters were like the ingenue, the studio head, and sort of this, a story of, you know, period Hollywood. Nice. Yeah, which was cool. So, I sort of, you know, got to know some of the writers and the producers there, was helping them out. And then a producer from The Lot had a friend who was producing a show, a pilot for MTV at the time called Undressed, Mm. which Roland Joffe was an executive producer. And he had just sold this show to MTV that was... Sort of low budget scripted. Yeah. Um, unlike Dale unlike, Robinson on that. Yes. Yeah, so that's yeah. who I worked for. Oh, hi, Dale. So I was a production coordinator, and Dale and I worked together out of his garage. <laughs> He's told me those stories. Coordinating so, the pilot. Incredible. Yeah. 
which then got greenlit. And they were very, very large orders. Like they would greenlight 40 right. to 60 episodes at a time. It was stripped, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was stripped so, and it was anthology. So your first, so scripted was your first thing, really? Kind of. I and, mean, I had, like I said, I had done some like award shows right. and I had done a couple of comedy specials. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I kind of took a little detour into low budget scripted. So interesting. Cable, and were yeah. you, and what, so what exactly did you do on it? Like what were your day to day roles? Anything that had to be done (laughs) that anybody else wasn't doing. (laughs) I mean, literally, I mean, through my years on that show, I learned so many things because anything that like if there was any holes in terms of like this isn't getting done, this isn't someone needs to do this. They would just throw me at it, which was incredible because from, you know, production coordinating the pilot to being involved in the casting process. And like sometimes I would be the person that would go with the showrunner over to the network sessions at MTV and we were replenishing cast every, you know, four episodes. So there was a lot of contact that I'd be doing that. And sometimes, you know, all the way through, sometimes I would be the last person to see the show in layback before we would satellite it to air that night. Wow. So I was just That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I mean, I, if it's not right, yeah. you were that last person. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you're really in the trenches. Very much so. And, and like I said, yeah. in a lot of different parts of yeah. it, you know, going from pre-production to casting to production to post-production. So I, I just but learned that's amazing. A ton. Right. You had like a crash course. in oh, absolutely. And is, so many people came out of that world. So Dale, who else that we would know? And that's like still. Well, for writers, I mean, Steve Denight, Damon Lindelof, Lizzie oh. Weiss. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Like a, wow. I mean, it was at that time for actors and for writers and for directors, you know, it was sort of a short term gig that was available. Was it non-union? Um, it was. No, it was union. Okay. Um, but there were because there was nothing quite like it at the time. There was like certain agreements with the unions that, you know, kept it pretty efficient to do. Got it. Yeah. So how long were you doing that for? So I did that for a number of years, and I just kept sort of jumping and jumping and jumping every time we got greenlit to yeah. sort of a little bit of a higher level. Um, at one point, I actually thought, well, at this point in the show, we had a number of seasons done. We have a fan base. And, and I was like, why don't we do a casting special? So I just pitched it to the network, and they were like, yeah, sure, go do it, knowing full well I was within the confines of sort of the undressed infrastructure. <laughs> They're not like, here's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right, you know? right. They do it for free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I spearheaded that, and I delivered a special, yeah. which was really, really fun to do and um, learned a lot, of course, doing that as well. And that was the first thing you produced kind of all by yourself? Was yeah. That? Okay. I mean, by myself in quotes. I had a lot of the un- right, undressed but, infrastructure helping me. <laughs> but it was your baby. It was my baby. Yes. Nice. Um, and then from there, like I said, I kind of really got to know some of the executives who were at MTV at the time because I would just spend this time with them in the casting sessions. And um, at that point, it was, you know, John Miller and yeah. Jessica Samet. At that point, was sworn off. Um, was Drew Tapp in there then? Drew, yeah. Drew yeah. was there. Jeff Settleson was there. Okay. Um, you know, we, it was there. For, I mean, that show lasted a number of years. Yeah. So it kind of, you know, saw a lot of people. But after that show had ended, um, long story short, VH1 was looking to bring on a manager of development that had production experience. Uh-huh. And apparently uh, MTV had recommended me to George Mall and Jill Holmes at that point, yeah. Jill Modabard at VH1. And so they brought me in and interviewed and I thought I had a great interview. And then I heard nothing for six months. Six months. <laughs> and uh-huh. then they called back and they said, we actually never hired, but now we're ready to hire. Oh my 
Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. That's definitely the longest I've ever heard of anyone, like, waiting for the job they thought they were going to get. I think they just thought they had a head, and then yeah. they didn't, and then they got—and then they were freed up to, to make a hire. Was that— later. Right. So was that, in your mind, I guess— at that time, maybe it was so early on that you didn't think like, wow, it's a big deal to go from production to a network. Did no, just... I, was, I knew it was a big deal. Okay. And I was terrified. <laughs> I mean, for me, that was a huge deal. Okay. You know, working so long on the production side, you, you, you know, knowing I, I wanted to take a turn on the network side, but not knowing how to break in, not mm-hmm. knowing how to do that. Because I didn't have that experience. I didn't start on an exec's desk. Right. I didn't start on an agent's desk. You know, it's very hard to break in if, if you're not starting that way. So um, I was terrified. And I remember talking to a friend of mine on the production side, and, and I was so thrilled I had gotten this job. But I was like, oh, my God, I hope I can do it. And she's like, you'll be fine. Just use the word organic a lot. <laughs> so even then, that was a buzzword. <laughs> it was, That's yes. Hysterical. And she was right. She was I right. That's the word a lot. Let that be a lesson. Just yeah. organic's the only word you need to know as a networking <laughs> You'll be fine. So you started as a manager and then yes. worked your way up. You worked my way up. Became, How many years were you there? About five. Okay. Yep. Um, kind of swung from branch to branch yeah. through many regime changes during those five years. But Jill stayed the whole time, yeah. right? I mean, oh, Jill yeah. was there a long time. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So then, okay, so what year are we in by the time you're you're gone from VH1? So I left VH1, I think it was 2007. Okay. I went to right. Yeah. And so what were you a VP by the time you left or what was? I was we? a director and I got hired as a VP at E. At E. Got yeah. it. So yeah. that's a step up, obviously, yeah. on yeah. keep going up the ladder. Yeah. And then when you got to E, so 2007, was that Lisa Berger? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, it was. Got it. And yep. were Beth and Jason both there, too? Jason was there. Okay. And then we brought Beth on, I think, a couple of years into it. Yeah. Okay. We did, um, when I was with my old company, we did a pilot for you guys called, well, it ended up being called The Plastic Lives of the Upper East Side. I remember, remember seeing it. I don't think I worked on it, but I remember no, it seeing Beth it. Jason. Yeah. 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 We, we love, we were all, we all still lament how good a show that was. But it was, A, a little bit ahead of its time with like Married to Medicine and stuff. And right. B, that was just when the Housewives were getting to be so huge and they weren't just, they weren't crazy enough. I mean, right. honestly, they just weren't as big as the right. Housewives. Right. Yeah. Okay. So then, like, was the Kardashians already greenlit by the time you got there? So by the time I got there, they Lisa had taken the meeting. Um, Elliot Goldberg and Ryan Seacrest had brought them in to okay. meet with Lisa. And um, I think she was, like, just sort of deciding to develop something. Okay. Um, so when I got there, it was the very beginning stages of developing. Like, we were negotiating and kind of figuring out, you know, what what is this show? Yeah. <laughs> you know, very, very early days. Um, and so we shot some development tape with um, with Elliot and Ryan Seacrest Productions and then very quickly decided, you know, we greenlit it and had to be on the air like what felt like a month later. Really? <laughs> yeah. We had a we you know, we had an available slot and we just went for it. So um, we brought in Buna Murray to help us, you know, sort yeah. of get everything we needed done to to, you know, sort of get it ready in time and. And this, you know, began some of the the longest marriages <laughs> that I've seen, you know, at least from from where I've been in, in reality. Right. Yeah. I mean, not longest marriages for people on the show, but yes, longest marriages <laughs> for everyone else. Uh, I couldn't help it. I so, know. okay, so I have so many questions about it, just because it's, you know, to me, it's sort of like the ana- the anatomy of a hit in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. I mean, I know you probably talked about it ad nauseum, but I've never really talked about it on the podcast. I don't think because yeah. I haven't had someone right. so close to it. Did you? What did you think of it when you first saw it come in? Well, I knew who they were just because yeah. you know Robert and yeah, and and they Kim. had you know Kim especially had been just sort of 
you know, Around. coming to the forefront of pop culture, yes. right? You kind of, I had Paris an awareness. And, totally. Yeah. I had an awareness of her um, and of the family to a lesser degree. Right. Um, and honestly, even before I started working at E, I thought, oh, this family is like perfect for E. Because there was so interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. there was just something about them that, yeah. you know, really lended itself to, to the brand. It was, you know, they were fun and they, you know, just were kind of just fun and said crazy things. And, you know what I mean? Just, it just felt like there was something there in terms of the brand um and so yeah we did, we did this development tape and then very quickly got into series um started as a half hour started as a half hour right. reality yeah. sitcom you know that that was the thinking right. at the time yes it was kind of like mm-hmm. the osborne mm-hmm. you know with the music and everything totally. felt totally. campy and light totally and frothy. very entertaining yeah you know that and that's sort of like i said how it how it began but um, you know, when you're doing a show about people's lives, they're, of course, no one is any one thing all the time yeah. and things happen to them. And, you know, and very, very quickly, I think we, you know, we, we realized, and when I say we at that time, it was, you know, Lisa and Jason and I on the E-team. Um, and we, we just sort of realized that things that happen in their real lives are things that could never be kind of predicted or, right. or, or produced, right. you know? Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, and then um, we expanded the show to an hour. How far in? Yeah, I, w- I want to say maybe third. Okay. How many seasons could be are we wrong in now, in the by the way? So we are in our 14th season oh now. That's crazy. Yeah. So early <gasps> on, did you feel like, you know— I remember Doug and Alex said that, like, the first season Housewife is different than every other season Housewife. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's your first season. You have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Early on, I mean, they obviously were probably more savvy having sort of been in Hollywood and, and mm-hmm. you know, grown up Hollywood adjacent and, you know, are sort of TV adjacent, yeah. entertainment adjacent. Um, did you have to sort of, you know, have the sit down with them like you need to open up, you need to be yourselves or were they instantly sort of comfortable with the whole camera you know, being yourself? I, I never had to have that sit down with them. But um, I do think that, the, you know, by all accounts, uh, there there were conversations with the producers and with the family, just, you know, kind of setting the table of like this is this is what a, a reality show requires. Like yeah. you really have to share everything. And I think the family had their family meeting amongst themselves where they all decided to do that, you know, and that that would be the key to the success is truly, truly sharing. And I think that has a lot to do with why they're still on the air. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Did you was Chris as involved from day one? Mm -hmm. Okay, so it was always clear she's going to be front Mm -hmm. and center. And what was her goal? Like, did she state what her goal was with the show? Or was it just like, let's get this on and build an empire? (laughs) <laughs> she never stated a goal to me in terms of like, you know, this is the end point for us. Right. But I think it I think it was really just making the most of this opportunity. Um, yeah. I mean, I think she probably had an empire in mind because you don't build something haphazardly. You know right. what I She's mean? So it, didn't, smart. it didn't just happen. And the whole family, as I have yeah. to say. And, and, yeah. and Kim's incredibly smart as well. Did you see that early on, though? Or have you seen that evolve over the years? Um, I think they always had drive mm-hmm. and they always had work ethic much more than they were given credit for mm-hmm. always um so again i don't know if they had a shared vision of what the end goal was <laughs> right. but i think that they um knew they wanted to build you know yeah so what was was it an overnight hit i don't really know how like did it grow was it it was in the first season it, it it built quite a bit 
in the first season. Okay. As the first season went on. Yes, as the first season went on. And I remember even reading during the first season a tabloid article about the show. And it said something about like the show whose ratings are exploding, and I, and I remember reading, and I remember like looking at it, I'm like I guess you could say that, and I was right. like yeah I guess we should prepare for a second season. Wow, wow, <laughs> yeah. And then I'm sure it just became a given at a certain point that yeah. it was going to get keep getting renewed. Yeah. So at what point in the 14 seasons did you know? And I'm not a scholar of the Kardashians, so I can't yeah. I can't tell you, but maybe you can tell me. Did it sort of like was it? Chris, the Chris Humphreys thing, like at what point did it start to get super real to the extent that like, wow, this is like we're literally watching stuff unfold on the show that everybody's reading about in Us magazine and everything else, you know, where it's where it became like appointment TV for people to see things unfold. I mean, I think certainly that that was a point that a, a lot of people that weren't previously aware of of the show or didn't really it wasn't a part of their daily conversation sort of became plugged into it because it it kind of became a part of the national conversation in a way that it hadn't have been before um but i remember even even late into i think it was the first possibly the second season um there was an event that happened with the family that we were shooting something else, and then basically this news had broken that um, there were some photo. And they they talk about this in the tenth anniversary special. There were some photographs of Courtney that were taken, you know, while she was under eighteen, um, that had kind of, uh, you know, come to the surface, and yeah. somebody was trying to sell them, I believe, at the time. And it was one of those things where we realized that the show had, you know, was shooting the the real story, the the real access to what was happening at the time for a story that would then be told later by tabloids. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I know, that's crazy. And that's yeah. happened ever since in a yeah. way. I yeah. mean, that's just, I don't know that there's another show really that mirrors that. Yeah. Well, there's no show where there's people as famous as they are now. Right. And I don't know that there will be just because, you know, because entertainment is so fractured now. Totally. I don't know that there will be. I know. It'd be interesting to think, like, if Kardashians was greenlit three years ago, would it even be what it is? Right. You're right. To have that sort of organic, to Mm -hmm. use the network term, you know, grow. I mean, you guys made them famous. I mean, they made them famous, but you gave them the platform to, to become famous. Right. We we definitely provided a platform, but I give them a lot of credit for, like I said, taking every opportunity and, yeah. and really building so much even outside of the show. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to ask this because, you know, the big thing with Caitlin, then Bruce, mm. was always, you know— I was the best storyline, but nobody knew about it. You know, like like all along, there were all these other things going on, but I was really, right, you know. Right. Did you see that coming? No. <laughs> no. I mean, obviously, I, I learned about it earlier than, right. you know, the general public. Right. But, I, you know, I, I didn't know for a long time. I really. Were you shocked when you did learn about it? I think when I first started hearing rumors about it, I... I dismissed it at first. I was like, oh, I think I would know probably. And then and then I realized, well, I guess you always sort of have that moment where you learn something you you wouldn't have predicted, you know. Right. So <laughs> that's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Um, yeah, certainly. But no, I can't say like, oh, I knew from the beginning. Right. No, I didn't. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. OK, so Caitlin had her spinoff. Mm-hmm. Um, I am Kate. Yes. A couple seasons of that. Yeah. And then Courtney and Chloe had mm-hmm. their spinoffs for about like mm-hmm. a while. Mm-hmm. And then there was Black China and Rob. Mm-hmm. China, oh, I watched that. That was crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah, I love a train wreck. 
That was crazy. And I love trying to, like, dissect their relationship and really get in there. Mm-hmm. That is crazy. That whole thing was crazy. But, again, one of those things we wouldn't have even thought <laughs> to predict. Or, like, I don't know. How do you write that? You don't write you that. You don't write yeah. that. That just happens. That, that just, just happens. Happened, yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. And then now, like, Kylie. Mm-hmm. So how did the Kylie show evolve? Um. We were just talking to the family and, you know, talking about how Kylie had really grown into just a, a impressive mogul at this point in her life right. and how her life is so different than the life of any other, you know, 19 year old at that point. Um, and just started, you know, having a conversation about it. would be cool to see that. And, and, you know, she thought it might be interesting to show that, you know, really for her fans. I mean, she really did it as as sort of inside access into her life for her fan base, which is very, very dedicated to her. Yeah. Um, and I think it was really interesting to see a life so different than that of, but yet some of the things that are relatable and the same, you know, sort of that, those relatable, relatable elements about like being down after you break up with your boyfriend right. or, you right. know, while you still have a multi-million dollar business to handle. That's the part that, you know, most of us don't. Yeah. So so let's move on. So I recognize you've done a, more than the Kardashians in your in your Thank career. You. Yes. So let's talk about some of the other shows yeah. briefly that you have, you know, shepherded from the beginning and mm-hmm. are proud of. Mm-hmm. Kind of give us the, the broad strokes. I mentioned a few in the intro. Yeah. Total Divas, um, Second Wives Club, um, a few others that I'm forgetting right now. Hollywood Medium. Yes, Hollywood Medium, of course. Yeah, yeah, Revenge Body. Mm -hmm. So are those all, I mean, when you work with a producer, um, you know, I'm always curious about this because I think that more than often... If if you want a show, it's I kind of call it like dating. Like mm-hmm. if a network exec likes a show, they usually call the next day. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're into someone, you call them the next day. You don't wait two weeks. Right. You know, once in a while, like you're six months of waiting, right. something <laughs> does happen where you're like, this is so weird. I didn't think they wanted the show. But usually if you're excited about something and you yeah. think it's going to work, you're yeah. going to. Is that typically your experience with these shows that you've greenlit? I mean, it's. I don't know that I call the next day all the time because sometimes you're waiting for a meeting, (laughs) you know, but um, but certainly I think, you know, that it's alive, you know, you know, that there's conversations waiting to happen about it or conversations happening about it. I think as a producer, you you sort of know that it's it's alive. I don't think there's very many circumstances where you've just forgotten you even pitched it. And then (laughs) then they call it and say, we're greenlighting it, you know, since you guys are such a specific brand. How competitive, like, you know, with with certain, you know, it used to be like with the male shows, there'd yeah. be like the five places that would all be in a bidding war for the same show. With shows that come to you guys, are you typically in a competitive situation or is it usually sort of like so e-specific or maybe even bravo E? It just totally depends. Okay. You know, sometimes something is just feels so right for E that it's not even pitched elsewhere. Right. Um, other times we are in competitive situations, you know, with either another cable net or an over-the-top network, you know. Right. Um, are you competitive? You mean like me as a person? Yeah. Like, do you want to win? <laughs> like, do you want to get, like, does that all of a sudden put the heat on you? Like, I'm going to get the show. Um. I to some degree, but I feel like you, if you really, really want to show, you should want it, whether someone else wants it or <laughs> right. not. <laughs> good point. Really good. You know, right? I mean, it may it may inch up a few things on the deal, right? Um, right. But you know, if someone if I have a fire in my heart for a show, yeah, that's not going to you know change if no one else bids on it. Yeah, you know. 
So there's been some recent changes at E. So mm-hmm. Jeff Old, who is your boss for mm-hmm. I don't know how many years, I guess. Well, at VH1 for a number of years. Oh, that's and then so funny. E. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah. came full circle. Yeah. And so now Amy and Tocasta Davis, yes. who yep. was, I guess, Oxygen Bravo, GSN, mm-hmm. and now E. Mm-hmm. And that's recent now, oh, right? Yeah. I think within the last three weeks. And, yeah. Yeah. So it's always, what's it like as a network executive to go through or she not not specifically about Amy or anyone else, yeah. but just you know, is it is it always sort of like everything's on hold till we all figure this out, or is it just sort of business as usual and you're teaching them the ropes? Like I'm always curious how that works. I mean, I think it can work a number of different ways, just depending. And I and I've been through a lot of right, them. Like exactly. I said, when I was at VH1, I think I went through like four different regime <laughs> right. changes, um, and been wow. through a couple at E as well. Amazing. Yeah, I think some things that maybe are a little bit on the periphery of what we would normally do, we would we would talk more about and sort of see where where that lands now. If there's a little bit of a change in the filter, um, things that are in motion stay in motion. I mean, there's there's really no point in losing momentum or losing money on something that is. <laughs> right. be, uh, there's not. That's right. being shot. Waste or, our time. Yeah, no. I mean, those things we bought because we love them, and we're going to see them through because we love them, and it shouldn't change the chances of them. Yes. Yeah. So, in terms of, I'm always, I'm always curious about this, and I would love an honest answer as a as an exec. I hope I can so, give you one. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean. In terms of the producers that you work with, you know, there's, look, obviously, RSP, you know, there's certain ones that do a yeah. lot of business for E and are kind of in your wheelhouse mm-hmm. and you're going to want to buy from mm-hmm. again and again because mm-hmm. you know the product is great and you right. know that they're going to do a great job. Right. If, you know, unknown producers or smaller producers come in with a great project, mm-hmm. are you going to look at that the same way that you look at something from Ryan or from somebody else that you work with comfortably for a long time? You know, are you going to try to partner them up with somebody bigger? Like, what's the typical approach for... Because there are a lot of independent yeah. producers, I think, that listen to this that want to get into these yeah. networks, but feel like there's a barrier to entry. Right. Um, well, I'll... I'll start by saying I think you're right in that we we definitely have producers that we work with a lot. Um, part of that, you know, for me, I work with Unimary quite a bit, yeah. and I enjoy that process very, very much because um, we have a real shorthand. Um, you know, I I know they see the same things I see, and you know, we sort of you know come to get, come come up together a little bit, um, yeah. storytelling wise. Yeah. Um, but actually, nothing really excites me more than when I hear an idea that I just wasn't expecting to to get so keyed in on from someone who is completely new to us. I think that's really cool. Um, and to make the most of that idea and give it the best chance, um, if they're not equipped to produce it, we'll figure out how to make a marriage that works and bring them into that decision. You know, yeah. sometimes we'll set them up with a number of different meetings with different prodcos, sort of see if they all jive yeah. um, and find the right mix. Because you also don't want an idea that you love to end up not going forward because it just didn't have the right infrastructure around it. You know, speaking of what I don't know why that made me think of this question. Did, did you is there a show that you love that you lost that went to another network over, um, your, over your 10 years there? There are shows, and I won't name what they are. Oh. There, there are shows that I that I think, you know, that I'm like, oh, I guess we sh- we I I wish we could have tried that. Yeah. There are shows that I wish we could have had the chance to develop that went straight to series elsewhere. That you tried to bid on, but you weren't willing to go straight to series. Yeah, they wanted to go straight to series. Right. We really wanted to develop it because felt like it needed development. Right. Um, well, and also back to mm-hmm. our original conversation, mm-hmm. like about Hollywood Medium, is right. that you're going to have to develop. It's not going to necessarily come off the tape right. to series at E. It's right. going to have to go through a lot of filters. Yeah, and, you learn a lot from that process. Yeah. You know. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're at the end. Wait, there's my- other shows I didn't get a chance to talk about. <laughs> okay, do you have some specific one that you want to talk about? Well, I know we're short on time. I will say um, I 
I spend a lot of my my days on the Total Divas and Total Bellas franchise, which I really, really love. And the thing I love most about it is that um, I knew nothing about wrestling before the pitch walked in the door. Really didn't. Have learned a lot about the world. Have a lot of respect for that world and the work ethic that it takes to to really be in that world. Um, And I, I like the thing I like about those shows is it's really stories about women who don't have their value in relation to the thing, right? They're not cheering for the thing love or married that. to the thing. They are the they thing. They are the thing. I love that about it. And they... They have their own agency. They do. And they yeah. have worked so hard in those years kind of finding their own audience at WWE. And I, I just think there is something kind of remarkable about that. I love that. Yeah. I love looking at it through that lens. Mm-hmm. Side note, do you watch Glow on Netflix? I did it? watch Glow. Yeah. Of course I watched Wasn't Glow. Wasn't it great? It was great. It was great. And what yeah. I what I really loved about it, what, what I was hoping they would do and they did, is they really sort of tapped into that love of wrestling that happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know. I feel the same way. I mean, that's a perfect example. I always say, like, I don't have to care about the world, but if I care about the characters, it's a great show. Totally. And that's a perfect example because I really could give a shit about wrestling. But it's it it draws yes. you in because yes. it's just a backdrop. It's you know it's in a backdrop, and these people can do amazing things exactly. that like I right. can't with your do. body. Are yeah, you kidding? I can't jump off a twelve foot ladder, <laughs> twist, and then land on someone without hurting them. <laughs> I don't understand. I, I continue to. It's like a magic trick. Right. It's really amazing. Right. Okay. Can we do the questions? Yeah. Okay. Great. So you know them. You're ready for them. I am, and I'm not. All right. Let's just go off the cuff. <laughs> so, what is your proudest professional accomplishment in your? I have, I, I have spent so long thinking about this and I have no answer because I really can't pick one show. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like all the different things I do for such different reasons. Yeah. I mean, it's like picking your babies. Yeah. I mean, Kardashian is just the longevity of it, you know, is something I'm incredibly proud of. Like I said, Total Divas and Total Bellas really brought forth a, a entertain a piece of sort of sports entertainment that you never would have predicted on our network. Yeah. I oversee the red carpet franchise and that's something I'm, I'm so proud of. And that's something such a mark, like marquee franchise yeah. for our network. So I really can't pick just one. I think it, for me, it just has to be the sum of its parts, you know, just in terms of being able to do all of these things yeah. and, and sort of, I think just the longevity. Yeah. No point. longevity. Listen, <laughs> I was just know? saying to your publicist before that, you know, you are sort of a rare gem in this business where you've been at a network for 10 years. I mean, that's just who else can very few people can say that now in terms of, you know, there's so much bouncing around the musical chairs. It makes our heads spin. And so, you know, it's nice that you've been able to grow with this network. It is. It's, it's a side note. When you talked about red carpet, did you were you close with Joan Rivers? Or did you know her? I after I was on after that. Okay. She had she had been off the carpet. By the, yeah, I yeah, yeah. Uh, um, okay. So, do you have any regrets? I have so many regrets. <laughs> I have. I know. <laughs> we can't narrow them I've down. I listen to people say, "Oh, no regrets," and mm-hmm. I understand what they mean. But I, I regret at least two things a week. <laughs> <laughs> Not a day. <laughs> I yeah. really do. In terms I feel, of, I'm the same way as you. Yeah, and I feel like yeah. that's part of what keeps us all kind of sharp and keeps us all humble. Okay. You know, identifying those things that we we <laughs> right. wish could we, we wish I'd have, I would have learned that thing before I made that decision, right. or or I steered it in this direction, or you know, I regret the part I played in whatever went wrong on the show that I had to pass on it. You know, yeah. passing is the worst part of the job. Do you, and hate, I, you just hate I it? I hate it. It's the Do you worst. try to get your underlings to do it? No. <laughs> no. You're a woman enough to do it yourself. <laughs> well, that is good. Yeah. And do you feel the need to call or do you do it on email? I usually call. Yeah. If it's if it's a pitch, sometimes on email when there was you yeah. know, not there's not a lot of skin in the game on the part of the producer, yeah. you know what I mean? But um if it's something people are emotionally attached to or certainly yeah. 
certainly if it's like a presentation or, or a pilot right. or something, something that, you've gone like down that, the road that warrants a phone call. Right. Yeah. And do you start by making small talk and being cheery or do you get right no. to it? I start by saying I wish I had something else to tell <laughs> Good. you. Good. Thank you. See, note to all network execs, don't start talking about other things. If yeah. you're going to pass, go right to it because we know from the tone in your voice, you're delaying the inevitable. Mm-hmm. And I know you also hate it when people don't pass in the room when you're pitching. I yes, you say that. thank you. You would hate me. Because um, you want you want to get back to me. Here's the thing. <laughs> if it was just you and I and you were pitching me a concept, right. I'd have no problem saying, like, no, nah, that's not right for us. Yeah, whatever. I think you did pass but, the room but, with me one time. Probably. Which but, I appreciated. But so many of our of our pitches involve talent. Right. So you're no, no, essentially, that, you know. No, no, no. Okay, I should make a cat. I need to carve out. I totally get that. Yeah. And I'll say that to the talent before, because you know yeah. how it is. I'm sure I've yeah. said this before. Yeah. You leave the talent stoked. They're like, they're going to buy it. I'm like, you need to know they're probably not. But they don't want to say that, you right. know. And so, you know, and look, sometimes you can't tell. But usually if you've been doing yeah. it a while, you can tell. It's very different to say that idea is not right for us versus you're not right for no, it. Yeah. completely. And talent right. doesn't know how to process, no, you know, where no. we have a million, you know, we know it's not personal. Exactly. We know from the way you're talking about it exactly how you're thinking about it. And they're not, like, you know, yeah. which is why they yeah. come out thinking it went great and when you you're like, how, there's no yeah. way. Yeah, exactly. And you know, there's, although it may seem arbitrary, there's sort yes. of this weird secret formula that every right. network has to apply when they're looking at different ideas. Exactly. And, yeah, exactly. and then also, I mean, in your case, you are... Not the final decision maker, but you're very high up the food chain. But it's not always going to be Donla. Right. It's going to be somebody lower. And they're going to have to go to Donla when they can get her ear. But she's already working on 50 other things. You know, it's just mm-hmm. such a mm-hmm. loaded process that you have to be aware going in that yeah. you've got many, yeah. many hurdles to get through to even get to a maybe. Yeah. And then sometimes, and, and Lisa Berger actually taught me this. Sometimes you have to give it a minute and just let it sit. Yeah, marinate. And see how much you remember. See if it made an impression. I like that. Do you remember it right. next week? Are you, you know? thinking about it again? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So what in terms of your free time and what you like to watch, what are the top three shows that you like that are unscripted? Oh, my God. I wish I had more free time. I have about 40 minutes a day. If right. Like and you have kids, too. Time, yes, so I forget two, it. Two kids. Um, oh, my God. They so, really get in the way of TV watching. <laughs> have you noticed that? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I don't want to have the TV on when they're <laughs> right. around, for one. I right. want to be, like, doing homework. Or, That's why you get 40 yeah, minutes. Exactly. By the time they get to bed, you're exhausted. Exactly. Just, like, try to watch one show and go to bed. Yeah. So um, <laughs> for me, I keep it pretty concentrated. Yeah. I do like, you know, I do like my, my New York Housewives. Yeah. I love my Atlanta Housewives. I think Bravo does a tremendous job on their programming. I really do. Are you watching OC? I fell off OC. Yeah, rightly so. <laughs> no, I mean, I said it to Doug and Alex's face. I said, you got to shake it up next season. You're losing everybody. Yeah. Um, and then I do a lot of, I don't do a lot of scripting. Yeah, what but, are the ones you, know, you like? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a nerd for Game of Thrones. I mean, I definitely. You and everybody else. I mean, I've never and everybody seen else. I text with my friends. I read right. everything on Vulture the next day. Right. I, I really get into it. Right. Um, it's that kind of show. Exactly. Um, I like Homeland. I love Homeland. I like Broad City. I have a little ritual with Broad City anytime I'm flying to New York. You load it up. I, I load it up. I love it. I like, watching, watch... I like watching shows about New York when I'm going to New York. Yes, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah. That's so sweet. Yeah. They did Pat a crazy— Kimmy Schmidt, I'll watch. I love Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. They did—I don't know if you're caught up on Broad City, but they did a crazy episode the other day, all animation. I'm going to New York on Monday, so you're I'm You're going to watch it. Yes. Oh, yeah, they're on shrooms. I won't give it away, but the okay. whole thing's animation. It's very silly and yeah. funny. I love those girls. And then I girls. did, like I said, I watched Glow, really enjoyed that. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm deep into Narcos right now. So is my husband. Really? He keeps going, hello. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, stop. you have to stop talking like that. <laughs> 
<laughs> he thinks he like, and I, he's not a binger, so yeah. it's so funny to watch. Yeah. Like every second, he's on his phone watching it. Right. Like, like oh, you need to come down. But I have a list of like thirty shows yeah, I, I know. want to try to find the time to watch. I said like, like I hope when I retire that all of those shows still exist because I, I have a I, same I thing. I not a, to mention trying to you know keep up on news and you know right. Yeah, exactly. State of our dumpster fire country right now. It's very hard. It's very hard. It is. Yeah. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you. You are one of I think everybody's favorite network execs. Oh, thank you. Have you have such a nice reputation, which is well deserved, and it's so great to get somebody you know from the other side, as I call it, on because it's like we all we need the dialogue back and forth, and it's so interesting to yeah, hear. Yeah, we do. You know, definitely to hear how it all works. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. 